You're very welcome along to this week's episode of the Oval Office, our rugby podcast here in Pundit Arena. My name is Brian Barry. With me to review what was a disappointing start to the Test Series for the Lions is Sean McMahon. And we will be looking ahead to, of course, Saturday's second Test in Wellington. Sean, first of all, 30 points to 15, and it was a consolation try at the death. Where did it all go right or wrong for the Lions and right for the All Blacks? Yeah, ultimately it came down to uh, physicality and losing the collisions. You know, that's kind of been the buzzword all week, you know, in terms of uh, all the press conferences. Like, and, you know, it's clear to see why. You know, you look at that game and every time the All Blacks got the ball and they carried in, a, in tight positions, like, you know, they kept getting over the gain line time and time again, every carry. And when that happens, it's just so difficult to defend against. So, you know, the breakdown work and just stopping the All Blacks in their tracks like when they're carrying the ball is like the biggest thing they have to work on and I think that's kind of represented with the changes that have been made in the team as well you know yeah we'll be talking team selection shortly but do you think they perhaps got dragged in a bit they threw the ball around and they scored that great Sean O'Brien try and they kind of fancied themselves to go toe-to-toe with the All Blacks in this champagne rugby game and perhaps they lost sight of the game plan a bit um, I don't think so, you know, because you look at the, you know, the first half when the Lions were, you know, really close to the All Blacks, like, you know, before the All Blacks pulled away in the second half. And, you know, we saw how Conor Murray's kicking game was really prominent, you know, like we were putting up plenty of box kicks, really, really good box kicks at perfect distance and a good height from Murray. And they were very contestable. And, you know, Ben Smith was having a bit of a nightmare in the fullback position, you know, I think he must have... On three occasions, he must have, uh, you know, fumbled the ball or failed to retain it anyway, you know, due to some great pressure from the wingers, like, you know, from the Lions' perspective. And I think that game plan was working for a while. And in terms of the, the wonder try that Sean O'Brien ended up finishing off, I think that just came down to a bit of um, off-the-cuff rugby, you know, which I think, to be fair to Warren Gatland, he is trying to instill that in some of the players, that if you see an opportunity, then go for it, you know, and that's what Liam Williams did when he collected the ball in his own 22. And, you know, obviously what happened after that, it'll go down as one of the greatest tries in Lions history. Do you think it was then the tries conceded were down to just lapses in concentration, individual error? We saw Taylor's first try, for instance, it was just a quick penalty and the Lions were caught flat-footed, standing on their heels. Perhaps, um, obviously, Ricky Ioni's try then, Liam Williams just dropped a ball that he'd catch 99 times out of 100. Are these minor fixables and they just have to cut out the errors, but stick with a similar game plan? I think I think to stick with a similar game plan is the way to go forward. Um, there's no point in reinventing the wheel here exactly, you know. Like, those, those moments where they conceded those tries were all down to a lack of concentration, which, again, you know, it's something that, you know, you can tell the players all week, you know, you need to be on the money here. But if you're defending for such long periods like the like the Lions were against the All Blacks, when you're losing those collisions and you're constantly on the back foot, you know, it's absolutely draining. And, you're, you know, those kind of moments are inevitable, really, you know. Um, so I think the most important thing for the Lions going forward is that they can win the collisions. They get more possession of the ball. They have more territory and you know, it's going to be a game where they're not going to be as t- uh, as exhausted or as tired as they would have been in the first test. Um, but just when you look at those tries that were conceded, it was completely down to lack of concentration. Like you said, Cody Taylor's try, you know, he, the Lions, you know, they they conceded a penalty. I think George Cruz failed to roll away at the breakdown. And, you know, the hands were on the hips. They were gasping for air. And, you know, a little bit of great play from Aaron Smith, who just saw the opportunity and he sent the ball wide. For um, Rico Ioni's first try, um, 
we saw in the Lions conceded a scrum penalty again or it was a penalty advantage I should say and a bit of great play from Kieran Reid on the deck when he kind of flicked the ball up and then straight away the Lions just weren't you know they were expecting the referee to uh, call the penalty and you know perhaps Bowden Barrett was going to kick it over the bar but again they failed to do that and then Liam Williams's mistake is just down to an individual error really you know and you can't really plan for that one of the major talking points coming out of the game is are they aiming for that standing leg? Were they trying to stifle that press illegally, so to speak? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, like I don't think it was as prominent as we've seen in the past. Obviously, everyone kind of references that Glasgow Warriors game against Munster in the Champions Cup. I think it was back in January in Scotston. And obviously, it was very apparent what Glasgow were up to in that game. But I don't think there's any excuse for a player to come in from the blind side and genuinely say that they were trying to block down the ball because, you know, as everybody will tell you, you can't block the ball down when you're coming in from the blind side position. You know, you got a standing leg in front of you and the ball's on the far side of the player. So, I, yeah, I think they knew what they were doing and they were clearly trying to rattle Murray. I don't, maybe they weren't going out to deliberately injure, injure him exactly, but they wanted to kind of put a second thought in his head and um, that's, that was their plan. So 13-15, the lines have gone down in the first test. We could talk about that all podcast, but there's the small issue of the second test in Wellington on Saturday coming our way thick and fast. Warren Gatland has named quite an interesting side for it. He's certainly rung the changes, um, and there's a few big talking points. Peter O'Mahony has been dropped from the entire game day 23. Sam Warburton coming in at six as captain. Uh, Mero Otoji and Alan Wynne-Jones make up the second row. Um, and Johnny Sexton coming in at 10, Owen Farrell pushing to 12, and Ben Teo dropping down to the bench. Sean, first of all, did Peter O'Mahony, is it warranted that he got dropped down, or do you think it's more of a tactical call bringing in Warburton? I don't think it was warranted. I think it was a bit harsh um, to drop him out of the squad completely. Um, I think with regards to that defeat against the All Blacks in the first test, you know the breakdown was poor, and they lost the collisions, like we've like we've already discussed. And there's oh, it's always going to be the case that someone is going to get the, the the finger pointed at them. And in this case, unfortunately, it was Peter Romani. So I think you know I think Gatland was always going to bring Warburton into the test side at some stage. He probably just wasn't ready um, for the first test in terms of like getting enough rugby under his belt. So now with Warburton in in the side, you know he really needs to step up to the plate and do what his number one job is going to be in this in this game and that's to slow down the ball uh, at the breakdown and hopefully stifle the All Blacks attack. I've heard a lot of criticism in the last few hours that it's harsh on O'Mahony, etc., not even to be in the game day 23. But we've seen time and time again Peter O'Mahony being a victim of a lack of versatility, essentially. That, um, that back row position on a bench is there for somebody in my mind, who can cover at least two out of the three positions uh, in the back row. Peter Mahoney is an out-and-out six. He's not been known to cover seven or eight. So it's very much a case, if he misses out on that number six jersey, even by the smallest margin, he's suddenly out of the game day 23 altogether. And is that what happened here? Yeah, it seems to be the case. Obviously, we have CJ Stander, who's come in uh, covering that back row position on the bench. Obviously, Courtney Laws can play at six as well, I think, you know, in, in addition to the second row. So there's more options there for Gatland. And obviously having someone like Stander who can bring that uh, physical impact in terms of his carrying ability at some stage in the second half in Wellington is going to be a huge advantage 
uh, for the Lions and it's definitely just it's just one thing that he has over on Peter Mahoney because Peter Mahoney isn't exactly someone who's going to bring you that level of carrying ability that you might want in the second half of a game especially if the Lions are behind George Cruz is another who's not only been dropped from uh, the starting team but also the game day squad I think this one is it's quite different to Peter Mahoney in that he's he could have easily slotted in as number nineteen on that uh, on that bench, but Courtney Laws is in at nineteen, and Mero Toji is in. People were expecting a Toji to come in, but perhaps for Alan Wynne Jones, is that favoritism from Gatland, or is it the correct call? Cruz for me did very well in that lineout, but he dropped a ball, he lost one in contact, he he made some unforced errors, which essentially are not good enough at this level. Yeah, exactly. Like George Cruz. It's really unfortunate for him because he he started off uh, at the beginning of the tour playing so well, and he did so pretty much up until the first test, and then all of a sudden he just had that game last Saturday in Auckland where everything just fell fell apart for him. You know, we saw how you know he dropped just all these unforced errors, and it was very uncharacteristic from him. You know, he he conceded penalties at the breakdown, which put the lines under pressure, which ultimately led to Cody Taylor's try for the All Blacks. Uh, he he spilt at least two balls, I think, uh, which led to knock-ons, uh, which were in decent positions for the Lions. Um, so if you play that badly, it's going to be a case of, you know, you're going to have to be cut from the squad. But I think with regards to Alan Wynne jones's inclusion, I think he picked up a knock early on in that game uh, in Auckland against the All Blacks. And he just seemed to, he wasn't really able to shake it off. You know, maybe he should have been taken off completely. But I, I would imagine he had a, a stern conversation uh, with Warren Gatland and he just kind of you know really outlined the fact that I'm your man I've done the job for you for Wales for so many years I need this I need this other opportunity and that would have went both ways as, as well I say Gatland's putting a lot of pressure on him now it's like look I'm backing you here when a lot of other coaches wouldn't have backed you so you need to put in a big performance and I actually think he will Sam Warburton then coming in at six we've talked about Peter Armani but Warburton in can he do the job that he's there to do? Can he dominate the breakdown? And can he make a positive impact as a whole on this team? Well, he has to, doesn't he? Because every, every, everybody's going to be watching him. And uh, for in order for the Lions to be successful against the All Blacks now on Saturday, he has to do that. He has to slow the ball down. He has to make himself as big as possible at the breakdown and just you know become a nuisance, essentially. I thought what was interesting when he came on uh, in the second half uh, against the All Blacks on Saturday was that he didn't. He didn't win any turnovers by himself, but any turnovers that the Lions did win at the breakdown, he was involved in some compa- in some capacity. He was either assisting the man who was in the jackal position, or he was clearing out, you know, an All Blacks player to help out his colleague who was trying to to get the ball or or whatever occasion like that, you know, or whatever instance. So, I think Warburton's a very clever player in terms of his intelligence at the game. He knows when to hit a rock. He knows to pick his chooses moments to come in and, you know, make that make that effort, make that moment his. So he'll have to do that now on Saturday. And, you know, again, he's the captain of this of this squad. He's going to have to lead by example. Everyone's going to be looking up to him to to see what standard he's setting and and to follow and to follow him. So he has to do it. Sure, and of course, CJ Stander coming onto the bench. We know what he can do. We know the impact he brings. He can play six or eight. He'll he brings he's one of these people who just lifts everybody. When he's on form, 
when he plays well, his team plays well, and he's been a talisman for Munster for Ireland. And people are hoping, obviously, Warren Gatland is hoping that he can bring a similar impact to the Lions from the bench. Do you think that's the right option? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of been a bit harsh on Stander so far in this tour, you know, because we're so accustomed to Stander making these barren storming carries where like he breaks through tackles and, you know, runs 20 meters and then passes the ball off. And we we haven't really seen that um, so far in this tour, but you got to You got to remember that. He's a marked man, you know, anytime he goes into contact, he has at least two players on him every single time. But what's great about Stander is that he's always the guy who puts his hands up as, at first receiver. You know, there's going to be cases where you need to go through three or four phases just to recycle the ball, to set the back line for, you know, a predetermined move that they want to, that they want to execute. And Stander's a perfect guy to do that. You know, he, you rarely see him knock the ball on in contact. His ball presentation is absolutely excellent and it's actually really improved since he's gotten a run of games at Ireland. I mean, we all know how Joe Schmidt, that's like one of his biggest things, his ball presentation. So I think he can bring that to the Lions in the second half when hopefully, you know, they're going to be on the front foot and they're going to be looking to land that killer blow against Steve Hansen's side. Sure, of course. In the backs, the major talking point is Johnny Sexton in at 10, Owen Farrell pushing to 12. We're finally seeing that 10-12 axis. We didn't think we'd see it at all. Is that Gatlin ripping up this script and saying, we can play some ball here, we can throw it out, we need more playmakers? Perhaps in defence, Teo was, was more, is more solid than Owen Farrell. Not that to suggest that Farrell is weak defensively, but of course Teo is outstanding in that department. But... Is, is it a message that the Lions are really going to have a go here, is what I'm asking? Uh, I think it's a combination of, yeah, they are going to have a go, because obviously you have these two these two playmakers in the team, essentially, and they'll be able to offer up different um, ideas to the back line. You know, they'll be able to implement these different ideas and plans and structures and all these different things. But what's also interesting is you got to take into account the weather forecast that's... Um, that's expected for uh, Wellington in the Westpac Stadium. It's it's going to be raining. So to have an additional player there who can kick from hand, so not only at your first receiver, but your second receiver, I think that's something that has definitely played a part in Warren Gatlin's decision to start these two guys at 10 and 12. Just to have that extra ability and that extra option to be able to kick from anywhere throughout your back line. And we all know uh, Jonathan Davies is an excellent kicker from hand as well and what's interesting there is that he can kick off his left while Farrell and Sexton can kick off the right so essentially what this means is that they can offer just a greater variety in attack and it's all going to be about pinning back the All Blacks into their own 22 those kicks into the corners just you know really ramming home the pressure on the All Blacks and hopefully you know that the Lions can get a turnover then when they have possession in their own 22 that's going to be the key area we didn't see that enough in the first test and ultimately that was one of the reasons why the Lions lost the game they didn't all the action areas were either in the Lions half or their own 22 so that's something that has to change and I think this decision to put Owen Farrell and Jonathan Sexton together is definitely going to help contribute towards that. Is there also an element of just Gatlin wanting to bring Johnny Sexton in because he's a big game player? He's done it time and time again. Just experience and positivity. And we've heard about that, I think, one of the most famous halftime team talks yeah. in rugby history was that 2011 Heineken Cup final when um, Leinster were on the ropes. Johnny Sexton rallied the troops and got them up for that second half. Of course, one of the greatest comebacks of all time. There's countless examples. I just picked one there, but Johnny Sexton—he's the ultimate big game player when he has the appetite for it and he's on top form. 
Is it just a case of he had to make room for him even though he fancied Owen Farrell? I think so, because actually I was, personally, I was actually surprised Sexton didn't start uh, the first test because I thought he was, he turned that corner in terms of his poor start that he had been at the beginning of the tour. And we were, we were starting to see, you know, the real Johnny Sexton that we all, we've all become accustomed to over the past few years. And I think, like you said, like he's, if there's any player who kind of strives in adversity when people write him off, like how many times have, you know, commentators on the game say, you know, Sexton's in terrible form or, you know, where they're worried about his like head injuries that he can't like take, he can't uh, take a knock anymore, all these different things. And then all of a sudden he puts in an absolutely masterclass performance. So I think Warren Gatlin knows he's a big game player. Everyone else does. And I think he will turn it on now on Saturday. And I think it's vital that he's, he's going to be in the team. One other uh, notable change to the bench is Jack Noel coming in. One criticism, we were actually watching the game together, Sean, on Saturday morning, and we felt there was no impact coming off that bench. He was reluctant to turn to Lee Halfpenny until late on. Even when you're chasing a game, you need that number 23 to come on and be a, like make a difference, essentially. And he didn't fancy Halfpenny as doing that. Is Jack Noel more that kind of player who can come on with 60 minutes and the opposition defence are thinking, OK, here we go we're going to have to keep an eye on this guy. Oh, definitely. Like, I think we saw that game, wasn't it, against the Chiefs there the week before last, and himself, um, I think Liam Williams and Elliot Daly all had super games, which led to Williams's and uh, Daly's inclusion in the first test. So it was a bit of a shock to see Noel didn't get involved uh, last weekend, but here he is now with a 23 shirt, and we've seen his performances for England this season in Six Nations, how good he is, and he's a big game player, and we've seen that for the Chiefs as well. You know, he scored an absolute crack and try there in the first half against um, against Wasps and tricking him in the final. So he knows how to do it on the big stage. So to have someone like him come on is definitely a big coup for the Lions, and obviously he just brings so much more than Lee Halfpenny in terms of that spark and that... Um, that ability to change things up when you really need it because like you said you know it did really look like Warren Gatlin was reluctant bringing on Halfpenny last weekend and he came on and I can't really remember any major moment that he contributed to you know yeah sure looking at the New Zealand team the All Blacks that the Lions will be facing uh, the main change is that Ben Smith obviously is out of action uh, injured Israel Dag pushes to 15 and that man, Naholo, comes in on the wing, who did has caused the Lions trouble already so far in this tour. Do you think Warren Gatlin will have a plan in place to stop him? I'm not sure if there's going to be a plan in place to stop any individual players, really, especially the wingers. I think essentially what the Lions have to do is make sure that um, the All Blacks don't get as much possession as they did in the first game, and that when there is a quick turnover in possession, where the line, or excuse me, where the All Blacks like to spread it wide, like almost instantaneously, that the the Lions players are absolutely switched on and ready for what's going to come at them, and that wasn't the case in the first test um, last weekend. Like you, like you look at those changes that were made, and it really just rams home the point of how good this All Blacks side is. You know, you see Dag moving from the wing, going to the fullback position. Obviously, Naholo is a great player. He comes in um, for Dag's position on the wing. And then you have someone like Anton Lanier-Brown who, who comes in because Ryan Crotty uh, is, has been ruled out. And, you know, you're just wondering, like, when, <laughs> you know, is there going to be a let-up for the Lions here? You know, is there any, like, cracks or weaknesses in this team? And, you know, looking through the 15 right now, you can't really see any. So they're definitely going to be up against it. 
one of the main takeaways for me from that match was if you can call the Lions the second best team in the world, which you probably can considering England and Ireland are two and three respectively in the world rankings, was the two best teams on the planet going toe-to-toe in a high, hugely intense test match. It was remarkable rugby, but this All Blacks team were just at another level. They won with 15 points to spare. It was game over with 20 minutes to go and just shows the raw depth throughout this uh, this All Black squad, not not only the 15, but also the 23. They had impact coming off the bench. Where are the weaknesses if you're Warren Gatlin? I think rather than focusing on, I suppose, where the weaknesses are for New Zealand, you got to look at the Lions' strengths and see how much they can maximise that. And what have we seen so far in this tour? We've seen the line-out, the mall, and the scrum dominating in a lot of games. Now, in that first test on Saturday, none of those areas really were firing for the Lions as much as they would have liked. So that's where the Lions have to get it right, is the set-piece. I'm actually surprised Mac of Vinopolo starting. I thought Jack McGrath might come in just to strengthen up that scrum. Not that Vinopolo is a bad scrummager, but I think everyone can admit that McGrath is stronger. And you look at the areas in the lineout. hopefully now with Adam and Jones and Atoje there, it's a big job in Atoje. He's going to be calling the lineouts in this game. Something which he has done in the past, but you know he's probably going to be doing it now in the biggest game of his life in probably the toughest atmosphere he would have played in. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. And then just in terms of the mall, you know, that's, that's kind of related to the lineout as well. You've got to get in those positions to really drive it home. So those are those three areas of the set pieces is something that Warren Gatland and the Lions players just have to get right. And I, I, I would imagine they worked heavily on that during the week. So hopefully we'll see that now on Saturday. Um, and once the Lions can do that, you know, then they'll have the platform. Then they'll have all these instances and situations where they're going to be five, ten meters out from the, the, the All Blacks try line and that they can really go for it. Before we get into the real meat of previewing this second test on Saturday, we also had the midweek game to draw with the Hurricanes. Even though it was a positive outing for the Lions, they gave up a 23 points to 7 lead at halftime. But the main talking point afterwards was Warren Gatlin's use of the bench or lack thereof. The Geography 6, a lot has been made of it so far this tour. And Gatlin actually admitted that perhaps he was influenced by the general reaction to the call-up of those six players there was talk of devaluing the jersey etc Sean what are your thoughts on that yeah well I think first of all I think it's what it's really important to say that you know whatever our opinions are in this whole situation it's, it's absolutely nothing personal with regards to the players you know they're involved in a situation which is really unfair in them in what should be a really proud moment for them representing the Lions but the way Warren Gatland has handled the situation over the last few days has just been chaotic, to say the least. So, like, my initial reaction when, you know, this call-up was made about 10 days ago was, obviously, I was dumbfounded um, initially. And I was kind of quite outraged because, like, growing up for me, it, like, you know, the Lions was something I've always loved and, you know, have great memories with family and watching it all, like, as, as a child. So I've always been really passionate about this team. And I guess when you just see kind of players being called up just based on their location uh, rather than their rugby playing ability, I found it, you know, particularly frustrating. But when, you know, when Warren Gatlin kind of explained it, you know, when he when he said, you know, I'm here to win a test series against the All Blacks, it's the most difficult thing to do in world rugby, you know, to bring 41 players together who haven't played with each other 
for the most part and gel them into a team to take on the greatest team in the world of the modern era in professional rugby within a six, seven week window. You know, it doesn't get much more difficult than that. And if calling those players in and providing cover or protection or whatever the reason was helps contribute towards that, then hey, fair enough. But the fact that you looked at that game against the Hurricanes on Tuesday and you saw the Lions players in the second half, particularly the front row, like I remember looking at um, Dan, Dan Cole and he was just absolutely knackered. Like he was struggling to get up off the floor, not for a want of effort. And he was really, really, you know, yeah, he was struggling and he was finding it really difficult to, you know, make the tackles, get up, get back into the line, all these different things. The Lions were on the back foot. They were conceding, uh, you know, yards at the gain line, you know, like we saw in the first test uh, on Saturday against the All Blacks. And what you want to do in that situation is you need fresh legs. And then you look at the bench and you got six players there and they're dying to come on. They're dying to wear this jersey. Only Alan Dell and Finn Russell have gotten minutes. The other four guys haven't. And, you know, that's, you know, that's, it's really sad. Like, you know, that like here they are, they're on the bench and they want to have a great opportunity to do so. And, you know, they can't because Gatlin's exclamation after the game was that he listened to the, you know, the media outrage and the supporters' outrage and that that influenced his decision, which I think was a really poor uh, thing to say because I always thought Gatland is a guy who doesn't care what, you know, the public uh, or the media think of him. You know, if he decided to call those players in, then at least back your decision that you made in, in the original instance and play those players when they needed it. It wasn't fair on the players on the bench and it wasn't fair on the players... Uh, who were absolutely gassed after 60 minutes who had to play another 20 minutes to the game. So overall, you know, I think it's safe to say that I'm, I was a bit annoyed at the whole situation. Gatlin picked, just for those who haven't been following too closely, obviously those six are Christian Dacey, Corey Hill, Thomas Francis, Alan Dell, Garrett Davis and Finn Russell. I think the last two are named strangely because everybody put them into the one box saying they have no place in this tour. Yeah. The last two, Garrett Davis and Finn Russell, were definitely within a puncher's chance of getting in that original squad uh, that Gatland uh, picked in April. And since then, okay, they, they went off for their respective tours with Wales and Scotland. But is it fair in that front personally as those players that they got boxed in that they would be devaluing the jersey etc even though they were just your classic call-ups and perhaps arguably the next best available yeah perhaps it is a little bit unfair that they've kind of been thrown into this overall category you know you look at Gareth Davies you know based on Greg Laidlaw's performance so far on this tour you could probably argue that he should be there ahead of him uh, I think Dan Bigger has performed pretty uh, actually really well on this tour. Um, I think he's had a, he's had he's played some really good games. Um, so I wouldn't have any issue with him being ahead of uh, Finn Russell. But yeah, it is a bit unfair that they're kind of been labelled in with the the four other guys. But it's not just about the, those two players and the other four players. It's just the it's on an overall context, an overall scale of how this whole situation has been handled, and it just leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. And it could have been done a hell of a lot better. So leaving aside the geography six, we've bigger fish to fry. We have the second test on Saturday. Win, and we're probably heading into the decider where what would be the most anticipated game of rugby since the World Cup final. It's going to be massive, but lose, and the following week will just be a damn squib. Where, can, where do you think the Lions can do it, or can they at all? Yeah, it's 
It's a difficult, uh, difficult question, but I think uh, I've already mentioned it so far throughout the podcast. The breakdown was the biggest reason that the Lions lost last week. They were starved of possession. The ball that um, all Black, the All Blacks received was on a plate, essentially, for them. And the Lions fell off the tackles. They lost the collision. So that's just even from a purely physicality point of view, you know, the basics of rugby, that's what they need to improve on. It's just to have that motivation and perhaps don't give the All Blacks so much respect as they did in the first game. This is a get, At the end of the day, it's 15 players against 15 players. Front up, lay down your marker early on and just go at it as hard as you can for the whole game. That may sound pretty basic and simple, but, you know, rugby is a simple game when you strip it down. you got to win those collisions. That will lead to more ball for the Lions, more possession, more territory. So that's ultimately that's the first area they have to do. And, you know, having Sam Warburton in the team will hopefully, you know, he's a breakdown specialist, hopefully that will contribute to um, a more successful performance in that area to pitch for the Lions. And then, like we said before, the set piece misfired last week. It can't happen this time around. It's they're going to be the primary source of scores for the Lions just to get into those areas of the pitch, you know, a couple of meters out from the try line to be able to score those, tri- like, you know, pick and go, pick and go, wait for those gaps to open up like we saw was the case with Reese Webb's try at the end of the first test. You know, the Lions p- put a few phases together. Okay, look, it was at the end of the game, but, you know, those gaps will, if you keep carrying into into, into those areas and you have good support players securing ball for you, eventually those gaps are going to open up. And that's what the Lions need to do. They need to have that accurate set piece, be it scrum, line out, maul, to get themselves in those positions. Sure, territory is clearly a big thing. And Johnny Sexton coming in is certainly going to be used as a weapon, his tactical kicking game. But the Lions were cleaned out aerially when they were putting up those box kicks, when they were kicking to the New Zealand back three. Um, that was an area they were, they were hoping anyway to not only dominate, but use as real platform to secure a potential victory that failed. Are they going to try that route again? I think they will. And to be fair, I think it, like that tactic was working for a while in the first half. You know, I know I mentioned it before, but like, you know, there was a lot of moments when, you know, Murray was on the money with his box kicks and um, the All Blacks failed to retain uh, the ball from those. So it worked in the first half, you know, obviously the second 40 minutes, everything kind of went out the window for the Lions. You know, they just completely lost their shape and everything that associated with that. So I think a kicking game is going to be, and I think Gatland has actually alluded to it already. He kind of mentioned the conditions today in his press conference and he said, we might not have to, we might not, we might have to change our style of rugby, which seems to me it's going to be an indication that this is going to be old school Northern Hemisphere up the jumper, kick it up in the air and just relentless pressure on the All Blacks back three in what will be, you know, really difficult conditions for the players. So, I think that probably is the smartest thing to do. There's no point in, you know, throwing it around and, you know, being fancy and trying to do offloads and all this kind of stuff when not only are the players perhaps not as capable as the All Blacks players in terms of executing that, but the conditions are going to play a part and it'll just be silly to implement such a plan. Sure. Before we push you for your prediction, we will be hearing from Mero Toji, who was speaking at a press conference after the team selection. I'm obviously very excited. It's a huge, huge honour. Um, it's a, you know, this is the kind of thing that you you aspire to playing, growing up as a kid playing rugby. 
and um, yeah, I'm hugely excited. I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, looking forward to getting out there um, this Saturday and giving it, give, putting my best foot forward. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a tough gig, you know. Um, everyone, you know, I missed out last week. Um, unfortunately, um, Cruiser's not in this week, but it's um, it's, you know, the nature of the beast, you know. It's, I think all all the second rows with. Courtney and Handy put in two mammoth performances on, on, on Tuesday and make it life difficult for um, for the coaches. So whichever way they've gone and whichever way they were going to pick, it was always going to be dif difficult. And you know uh, the players will always be disappointed when they're not selected. But it's just about putting your best foot forward and hoping for the best. Courtney's a fantastic player. I think this year, whenever he's played, he's you know he's he's done the business. He's 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 playing really well. He's he's training really well. So. Um, you know he's he's a nice, relaxed, confident player. So I don't think I don't think that'll be an issue. Yeah, we 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 acknowledge that they're two you know two good operators that are, you know, they're very talented guys who have a who have a good work ethic. But um, the challenge is on us to surpass that. Um, we we've got a good challenge in front of us, a challenge that we've prepared well for this week, um, and a challenge that we're going to rise to um, this weekend. Um, well, I was just having a chill day with uh, my, my, my family. Nobody in the squad wanted to go to the museum, so I had to go with my family. <laughs> um, so it's, it is what it is, really. Um, there's not too much in, in that story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's massive, you know. Um, we, we haven't come here to be second best. We haven't come here to play second fiddle. Um, we're going out on Saturdays to do a job and get the result we want. Thank you. Marlo, how competitive was training this week ahead of... You always ask me these questions, don't you? How about competitive training? <laughs> 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 you like answering them. <laughs> I think I'll give you the same answer. Different names. Yeah, um, it's it has been. As always, as I said last time, you asked this question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always competitive. Um, when when you have you know the type of players that we have. And you know the you know the competitive nature where everyone's used to performing, everyone's used to winning, is always competitive, and it's probably up to a bit since this week um, as a result of last week, and you know want to right the wrongs of of last weekend. And what has to be different this Saturday to last Saturday? I hope I haven't repeated the same question. Well. We know, you know, rugby is a game of you know contact and physicality. We need to improve in that area. Um, we need to be a bit more clinical on the ball, um, and we have to we just have to stay switched on for for the whole game because these guys are sharp, they're good, intelligent rugby players, and when you switch off, they make you pay for it. Chris, um, Murray, the, the breakdown was in, in and around the breakdown was an area of concern last week. How are you going to go about fixing that? Um, so similar to the to the last point is um is is about upping the physicality around around that area you know um blasting men past the ball and making sure that there's the 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 ball carrier does his job there so um we we've we've addressed that issue in training we've addressed that from from the last game and um we'll see hopefully see an improvement this weekend it's more of an attitude thing than anything technical it's it's just about getting. Being not switching off. Um, sometimes you, you just switch off for a moment, and they're there. They're, you know, these guys are sharp over the ball, and um, if you want to get the kind of speed of ball that we want, we're gonna have to be a bit more quick, quick to the to the breakdown and contact area there. And how big a step up did it feel last Saturday Lions test against the All Blacks compared to what you've done with England? Um, it was, it was good. Um, 
it was just it was just different um I, I, I don't know about it was it was just a different type of type of challenge for me it was obviously the first time I've, I've played an all, all black side and you know um they when they had um the momentum of the game and um so we we're trying to wrestle it back unfortunately we weren't able to do so but it was it's, it's obvious that they're, they're a talented team and they've got you know you know they've got good players and they're they're they work hard for one another, so it, it, the intensity was um, obviously at, well, at a very high level. But um, for us, as as it always is, about us making sure we're right, making sure that we do what we can. Because I don't think we played to our potential last week. I don't think um, I think we let let things slip through our hands, and um, we'll try our best this week to make sure that same mistake doesn't happen again. Um, yeah, um, obviously it changes my role in terms of me calling lineups. Um, um, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done this, I've, I've called lineups, um, previously in the past, so it's not something that's new. Um, a lot of the games where I've come off the bench or even though I started, I've been calling this tour, so it's not something that's been sprung upon me. I've been preparing for, for moments like this, um, so it's obviously there's a bit more preparation when it comes to um, planning and etc. But um, it will be business as usual for me. Yeah, so um, obviously speaking um, about myself, um, whenever I've had a performance which is you know below what I expect of myself, I'm always eager. Um, always can't wait for the next weekend to try and right the wrongs of the week previous. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that. Um, a lot of the boys can't wait to get out there this weekend and and you know make put some rights rights to bed. Yeah, he's um obviously he's, he's you know he's probably the best Welsh second row that's um, over the last ten years. So he has a, he has a, a lot of experience. Um, you know he's been in these big games um, before and you know he's experienced pretty much everything you can experience in um, you know international rugby. So it's it's great to have him alongside me. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with him. You, you, obviously, I've played with George. He's at my club. I play with him at England, etc. So we have that familiarity. But throughout your career, you, you obviously when we go to England, uh, we, I now play with Courtney Laws and Joe Launchbury um, at my club. When for, if George is injured or whatever, I play. I played with Jim Hamilton. Uh, Will Skelton, etc., etc. So you always chop and change, and it's um, you know there's always going to be um, new relationships or different relationships. Um, so it's important. But um, over the last I don't know how long it's been now five six weeks. You know I've I've got to know Anwin very well. Um, he's he's a good guy, and um, you know I'm looking forward to playing with him. Merrow told you certainly in a confident and hopeful mood, Sean. Would you be hopeful as a Lions supporter? Can they level the series or are we going to see it being ended as a competitive contest on Saturday? I think they can, they're definitely capable of beating this side. I don't think there was much between the two teams in the first half in Eden Park, which as we all know is probably the toughest place you can play the All Blacks. So it seems they have a few things going their way. I think coming into this match, you know, the conditions are going to be poor. That's going to suit the Lions. It's not an Eden Park that has to suit the Lions. And just with the players that they brought in, bring them Warburton, Itoje, you know, they're really looking to add just that little extra bit of physical impact on the opposition, which they need to do. 
So if all those things kind of play into their hands, there's, you know, there's definitely a result here for the Lions to get a victory. Will they do it? I just think the All Blacks are too strong. They're too, they've been around the block for too long to slip up here. They're too experienced. I can't see it happening, unfortunately, which is a, which is a shame because it kind of really put a dampener on the, the last week of the tour. I think the game is going to be a lot closer than it was in Eden Park. And I think the Lions are going to put in a good performance. But ultimately, I think New Zealand are going to prevail probably between seven to ten points, I think. Sure. Last week on the show, I did say I think they could win a test, but it certainly wouldn't be in Eden Park. I'll probably, well, I, I was proven right in that they definitely wouldn't win at Eden Park. Uh, everyone made but that prediction. I think we, <laughs> I won't set myself out, but I did see enough from the All Blacks to change that a bit. I think they were too strong. It was a case of lines just about hanging in there and then the floodgates did open. The All Blacks had the tool to punish the lines' mistakes when they did come and it, they didn't look like a team who were going to lose to the same opposition seven days later. So, unfortunately, once again, it's uh, two tips for the All Blacks on this week's Oval Office. Unfortunately, that's all we do have time for. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to tune in again next week when we'll be reviewing the second test and looking ahead to the third test. Hopefully, it will be uh, competitive and the series will be in the balance. From myself, Sean McMahon, and our producer Dave O'Regan here in Pundit Arena HQ. Thanks very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.